0: of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up July 14th through the 16th in Colorado in the foothills of the majestic Rocky Mountains. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com.
1: You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com.
0: Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have from all the way across the hall, uh, our director of training, Brian Waltman. So, Brian, glad you're here.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: Yes, he had to make a long trip uh, to to get here. So, uh, before we get started, I want us to go ahead, Brian, and uh, I I would like for us to share with our listeners when the next upcoming Purity Mentor Training Seminar is. And if you could give a brief description Mm -hmm. of that and then let them know some of the details about when that's coming up because um, we want our listeners to be able to know how they can get access to that.
1: Sure, absolutely. So our next Purity Mentor Training Seminar will be Saturday, July the 22nd in Garden Ridge, Texas, which is a suburb of San Antonio. It'll take place from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., and to get more information about that, uh, you simply go to puritymentoring.com, and the that seminar is uh, the purpose of it is to equip spiritually healthy men to be able to help other men grow in sexual integrity through a one-on-one mentoring relationship.
0: Okay. And we're going to post that information also on the website and uh, give you links and everything like that to be able to access that. What we want to do in this session is we really want to start to kind of break apart just some of the the first steps that a uh, a mentor and a mentee would take on this journey of, of being able to pursue greater integrity understand also that um, this mentoring program, well, a lot of times you know a lot of our history in our particular ministry has been about addiction, been about recovery this is this is not if I can put it this way, this is not constrained mm-hmm. by uh, a recovery mentality right. or an addiction recovery. mentality. this is more of, of being able to help men pursue greater integrity, right?
1: That's right. Yes. As a matter of fact, we used to call it recovery mentoring, but we changed the name to purity mentoring for that very reason, because we wanted it to be not limited only to men who are seeking to uh, recover from uh, porn or sex addiction. But, um, anyone like you said who wants to grow in sexual integrity certainly if somebody does would uh have an addiction they could uh be you know participants in this program as as well but it's it's not limited to that
0: yeah yeah so it would be helpful in either case but it's uh it's not strictly for a recovery environment that's right so let's dive in we've got kind of six uh Stages here, six uh, components here that we want to unpack. So, what would be one of the mm-hmm. first things that uh, a guy who is saying, "Hey, I, I want to be, I want to be mentored, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to pursue greater integrity," what would be the first thing then that a mentor would want to do with that guy?
1: Right. Um, yeah. So we're looking at the mentoring process and talking about um, what, how do you help a guy right off the bat? Uh, What are some of those first things, especially during, uh, let's say, the first six weeks of of meeting with a guy? And so the first thing that I would say right out of the shoot is you want to create a safe environment where the mentee uh, can can share his story of sexual brokenness and bring his struggle into the light. verse that comes to mind in, in Ephesians 5.11, it talks about this idea of, of bringing our struggles uh, into the light. And uh, so for some of these guys, this may be the first time that they've ever divulged their, their secret sin. And um, so, like I said, we want to create a safe, uh, non-judgmental um, atmosphere where that can take place. And a, and a big part uh, a big way that we do that is through the mentor himself sharing his own story of brokenness and restoration and, and recovery. Um, and so the, uh, the mentor is really kind of leading the mentee into uh, a time of, of confession, confessing his sins to God and receiving that forgiveness. And I would say also, in addition to that, giving the mentee a sense of hope. Uh, because the mentor can share his story of, "Hey, this is where I was, uh but this is where God met me, this is how God worked in my life, and this is how he has uh changed me and so if there's if there's hope for me, there's hope for you too,
0: yeah, and you can kind of think of the 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 whole mentoring process in the same way that you know typically one would think of a master apprentice kind of mm-hmm. a relationship, well, even somebody who let's say has become a master in terms of some kind of skill, mm-hmm. they weren't born that way. right? They likely had to have been apprenticed at one point in time too. And so that's kind of what this is about. This is, this is not about uh, a mentor uh, being professionally trained. This is right. not about somebody who holds a counseling degree or somebody who's even in full-time ministry. This is about a person who has had a similar experience. And that's why we've not relegated it just to recovery or addiction the addiction world, Mm because this could be the same kind of process that could be incredibly helpful for a father and a son. Right. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean the father Mm -hmm. must have, you know, been addicted or must have had, but he can be able to say, you know what? I was 13 at one point in time. Mm -hmm. And so I can mentor you and share with you my story of being 10, 12, 13 years old. And what that does is again, it's, it gives that person a sense of, Oh and look look at him now he's he's doing well he's you know mm-hmm. he's he's made mm-hmm. it so to speak and the same thing happens in this is if you have a person that says i understand at least what it's like to struggle with temptation right. i understand what it's like to have that and in varying degrees it's probably more helpful if you do have a person that has faced addiction and has recovered right to be able to help a person that is also struggling with addiction.
1: That's right. It, piggybacking on what you're saying, I think the the primary thing that the mentor brings to the table is um, his own experience of uh, what he has been through. Uh, again, like I said earlier, how God has met him, how God has worked in his life, some of the things that he's learned uh, in the process of, of his own healing and growth. Um, so, yeah, and... It, uh, like you said, fathers can use this these skills uh, with their sons. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, these are skills that pastors can use with people in their congregation or ministry leaders, Bible study leaders, support group leaders, um, all of them can benefit from this.
0: So what are some of the things in this first kind of maybe initial session where— mm-hmm the stories need to be told what are th- what are the key elements that need to be told in a person's story if they're going to you know move forward in a mentoring relationship because mm-hmm. i can't imagine that this means uh you know this guy is going to spend all of his time talking about his athletic exploits as a you know high schooler right
1: right yeah primarily what, what we're talking about focusing on is what's your sexual history um what uh, again because this is this is purity mentoring um, yes it's it's mentoring for sure, but we're keying in on this area of of sexual purity and helping a person grow in that so um, that's the part of it that's highlighted um, certainly it's going to include a person's upbringing, family background and and various things like that um, so yeah.
0: How does the how is the mentor to guide that person in that conversation? Because maybe for some some people, like you said, it might be the first time they've ever shared their secrets. So what are some prompts maybe that a mentor would give Mm -hmm. for a person who has never
1: shared their sexual history before at all? I think the main prompt that the mentor gives is sharing his own story and uh, letting that be a template or a a guide then that the, uh, the mentee can kind of follow suit and and mimic what the mentor has done. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, they want to spend most of their time on the mentee's story. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, because that's really where the, uh, the, the focus is, is at in,
0: And part of this story, so would you say that also part of telling the story is also a way of confession?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, It's an opportunity for the mentee to um, get some things off of his chest that, again, maybe he's shared it with some other people, but uh, maybe this is the first time he's he's told anybody. And so um, this idea of him you know, sharing it with another person, a safe person, um, the mentor, and then, uh, for the mentor to say, Hey, let's, let's spend a little bit of time in prayer and, uh, and just confession and confessing those sins to God and then asking him to forgive you and and receiving that forgiveness. So
0: after they've had maybe this initial meeting, mm-hmm. the guys unpacked his story Um, what would happen maybe in a second meeting? What would happen? What would be the next Mm -hmm. step for this uh, mentee?
1: Yeah, so then the next step in the process is for the mentor to have, I guess you'd say a heart-to-heart with the mentee and um, helping him do some soul searching and helping him to take stock of his life. And um, really the main question is, um, like when Jesus encountered the, the paralyzed, uh, man, uh, by the, by the pool, he said, do you want to be healed? It's, it's asking that kind of a question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to, uh, get better? Um, do you understand what this behavior has cost you in terms of, you know, relationships and time and money and things like that? Um, um. Are you are you willing to do whatever it takes to get better? Um, and really, just asking the men, mentee, the mentor, asking the mentee, um, do you want to go on this journey of uh, healing and growth and, and restoration? And if if so, uh, part of that's counting the cost and and uh, realizing that it's going to take humility. And courage it's going to take time and effort. It's going to take perseverance. And so that's... Yeah, I, uh, think,
0: one of the, I think one of the things that often is not uh, focused on enough, early enough, is the idea of letting a guy know what it actually takes to heal, mm-hmm. to grow in purity, to actually live a life of integrity. Because yeah. so many times the pain of where a guy is, maybe his marriage is breaking up or maybe he's facing, you know, losing his job, or there is there's real consequences that are part of it. Maybe even it's a health issue. Maybe he's got a disease now because of sexual acting out or whatever. All these things, the pain of that mm-hmm. that cause him to want relief so badly right. that he's only thinking of relief and he's not thinking of the path. He's not thinking of the the real cost that it's going to take, Mm -hmm. the discipline necessary in order. And so what you're saying is it's important on the front end, after a guy's told his story that he understands what this path is going to look like in order that there's not, doesn't feel like a bait and switch. Like, Hey, let me pull you in here. It's going to be real easy. No big deal. Everything's gonna be fine. Take this blue pill and it all be, (laughs) and recognize, no, there's more to it
1: than that. Exactly. And the word that comes to mind as you're talking about that or the phrase that comes to mind is reality check. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a time to, to look at it. And I remember one time sitting down with a guy who was interested in, in, um, quote unquote, getting better. And he was, viewing and kind of asking me, you know, like how long is this going to take? Is this going to be a couple of weeks or something like that? And I <laughs> and I said, uh <laughs> you're asking for a band-aid, but what you need is a complete heart transplant. Right. And I said, this, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a long process of uh healing and growth and uh you need to be in it for the long haul and you t- you need to understand that ahead of time.
0: And also, just so the listeners know, if a guy says to any one of us at this point in the process, man, I'm not in, hey, there's no hard feelings. Right. And one of the reasons that we we want a mentor to do this this early in the process mm-hmm. is also for the sake of his time. Yeah. Because we don't want a mentor to get six, eight, ten weeks into this process and then find out that a guy is not not serious and says, no, I really I really wanted the Band-Aid. I just want something right. to appease my wife long enough to get her off my back and then I can kind of keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. We want this mentoring program to be about folks who really want to truly pursue integrity and pursue living a daily life of purity. Yeah. So that it means that the mentors are actually, um, you know, they're, they're not wasting their time either. Mm-hmm. So then That's right. what would be next? So, so mm-hmm. let's say now we've got a guy that says, yes, I'm in. Right. I, I, I know what the cost mm-hmm. is, and I want to keep pursuing this. What's the next thing that he's got to do?
1: Yeah, I think the next conversation then is uh, to start talking about goals and boundaries and uh, I guess you could say commitments or resolutions regarding his sexuality. So uh, – you know the analogy that I would use is it's as though the walls have crumbled and the enemy is in the camp, and so this is beginning the process of rebuilding those walls, of reestablishing some healthy uh, personal boundaries, of um, identifying this is uh, these are the things that I'm quitting or avoiding, and not only. The things that I'm avoiding, but also these are the things, these are the healthy, positive things that I'm going to be intentionally, uh, moving towards. And so, um,
0: so practically speaking, uh this would look like, Hey, you you probably need covenant eyes on your computer. Uh, you need to, you need to figure out what you've been doing on your devices, maybe like your phones or whatever. So it gets really practical in terms of the boundary setting. So it's not like Mm -hmm. all philosophical or theoretical. It's, this guy shared his story. He knows what the cost is. So, in sharing his story, part of that is saying, Hey, this is where I'm accessing porn, or this is what I've been doing at work mm-hmm. that's, that's, I'm on the precipice of an affair, you right. know, whatever it might be. And that's where you start drawing those very specific boundaries in order to say, That's where mm-hmm. I build the walls so that I don't, you know, go yeah. outside the camp.
1: So, uh, yeah, establishing some of those uh, boundary lines. Um, and actually what you're talking about, things like installing covenant eyes, uh, identifying where, let, let's say the person's struggling with pornography. Okay, well, how are you accessing that material? What do you need to do to close that door, to eliminate that access? That bleeds in a little bit into the, the following conversation that you'll have. But, um, you know, one of the side notes that I want to make real quick is that, you know, we're not, although initially you're addressing behavior and you're thinking about, okay, here's some behavior I want to quit. Here's some new behavior I want to do. But in the long run, we're not just about behavior modification. Right. And, and now we, we won't get to that right away. Eventually where we want to go is, is getting at the underlying motives and getting at what's driving the behavior. But initially it's this idea of stopping the leak or stopping the bleeding and, and uh, putting uh, a curb I like on to things.
0: think of it as like you, there's a there's a big circle that you have to go on and while we we like to always say, listen, you know, like the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this yeah. idea that what's on the inside will eventually show up in our speech and our behaviors and our actions and all that. That's right. The, the way you have to deal with this a lot of times is you have to say, we are going to start with behavior yeah. in order to get to the heart that mm-hmm. will then affect behavior. So you kind of have yeah. to go in this circle. So mm-hmm. it's not that we ignore behavior at first. Right. But it's that we have to, it's like, listen, if you're bleeding from multiple places in your body, you Mm -hmm. don't say, well, listen, let's talk about the physical therapy that you're going to need. No, it's like you need to plug the holes. You need to stop the bleeding and then Mm -hmm. you can start working on the other things down the road towards like growth and and the things that need to maybe change. So what's the next conversation that then needs to happen after you've got some goals, you've set some Mm -hmm. boundaries. What's typically good after that?
1: Right and then talking about temptation we talked about this a little bit but this this idea of, of identifying what are your vulnerabilities what are your what are your triggers um, and, and
0: and define uh, triggers okay. for our audience Okay
1: sorry yeah so that would be something that uh, would i guess you'd say trigger your the uh, sexual temptation for for you uh, some event or some circumstance that would that you know uh, makes causes your mind to start going in that, um, direction. Um, and so we talked about cleaning house, eliminating temptation. I think another thing that I would throw in there too, is this idea of uh, helping the mentee to avoid what we might call slippery slope behaviors. Um, that might be, and, and that's just going to be different for each person, but let's say for a, maybe for a guy, um, and these would be activities that aren't necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but if they engage in this activity, it can very easily lead towards sin. So maybe for a guy, it might be staying up late, watching TV, channel surfing, you know, after everybody else has gone to bed. For him, that might be a, a very dangerous, you know, slippery slope. The behavior in and of itself isn't necessarily sinful, but it can very easily lead him down mm-hmm. that that path. And so you want to help him avoid that.
0: And I would say that part of this conversation, too, starts to challenge the mentee to recognize, as the Bible says, the heart is deceitful and mm-hmm. wicked, you know. And so there's this idea that says we can be very self-deceptive. Absolutely. We can be very, you know, so we can we can fool ourselves a lot of times into into right. believing. Oh, I can handle that. Oh, that's that. no big deal. Oh, and yeah, so what yeah. this conversation starts to do is saying, hey, look at that place where you start to think you can handle it. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. acknowledge you can't handle it. Exactly. You need to set that, to set that boundary a little farther back so That's that right. you're you're safe.
1: Yeah. So it's the question is not how close can I get to the edge without falling off. It's how far can I stay away from the edge right. of uh, sexual impurity. So uh, then a next conversation that sh- that I would want to have with a guy is to start talking about accountability and uh, fellowship and community, because oftentimes for guys who, who are um, trapped in, um, you know, compulsive sexual sin, um, they're living an isolated life oftentimes. They're, they're living in isolation because of the, the secrecy and so forth. And so um, it's the mentor... Needs to help the mentee to come out of isolation, to come into healthy community, to engage in, in accountability. Um, and another thing that I would say as a mentor, you do not want to be this guy's only lifeline, his right. only source of help and uh, accountability and so forth. So you want to encourage him to assemble a team around himself, maybe. You know, two or three other guys who are going to be battle buddies, journey partners, whatever you want to call them, that um, are going to uh, people that he can be completely transparent with. So this idea of, you know, confess, uh, like it says in, in James, confess your sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's this healthy accountability is not merely confession. Oh, we confess our sins to each other and then, okay, next next week we get back and do it all over again. It also needs to include this element of um, helping a person make forward progress. And it's probably going to involve some, some tough love. And you know, getting in each other's face in the name of Jesus um, to you know, conf- confront and love. Um,
0: yeah, I think one of the best things you can do in accountability is when you are doing the confession piece, is to is to be able to invite whoever you're sharing that with to say, do you have ideas or do you have mm-hmm. some things that might help me the next time I face that temptation. Because so many times so many times we're thinking, Hey, I'm just supposed to confess and then we sort of clam up and we become resistant to the idea of anybody speaking into that place right. of our life. Well really what confession should do is open us up to mm-hmm. allowing somebody else to speak into that. But sometimes it can feel awkward to just uh unprompted throw your advice into somebody else's yeah. space. So I'm encouraging you out there that when you confess to someone else mm-hmm. You be the one to say, and do you have anything that that you think would help me the next time? So you're inviting them into that space rather than just expecting them to presume they can jump into that space.
1: Yeah, that's right. And a good question to to ask a person is, in that situation too, somebody who has just confessed, is to say, if you could wind the clock back, how could you have handled that differently in the way that that wouldn't have ended in, in the same way? What are some different ways that you could have, um, uh, responded to that even preemptively. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, back to this, this idea of accountability, uh, the mentor needs to help the mentee, you know, come up with, uh, a pretty concrete accountability plan as far as, okay, who, who is holding you accountable, how often we recommend, especially initial stages, that, uh, that the mentee will uh, check in daily with at least one of his accountability partners. And just for that daily support and encouragement and, um, and so forth. Then the, the next conversation, um, as I would see it, is, well, we talked about temptation. We talked about identifying your vulnerabilities and talked about this idea of cleaning house and, and doing our best to eliminate temptation. But the reality is we can do everything to try to eliminate it, but temptation will still come right. uh, inevitably. And so then, you know, Scripture talks about this idea of fleeing sexual immorality. And also another Scripture says that when we are tempted, God will provide a way of escape. And so the, other, uh, the next conversation... Uh, that you want to have as a mentor with your mentee is uh, what is your escape plan specifically when faced with temptation. You know, for example, um, is it to it might be to physically leave the location that that you are at when you're encountering sexual temptation. It might be uh, go for go for a walk. Definitely, I'd say you know, pick up that phone and call one of your accountability buddies and say, hey. Um, I'm feeling uh, tempted right now. Will you pray for me or talk me off the ledge and and help me process through this? Um, And I would say
0: a simple way to break that down too, if you're thinking about creating a plan and you think about it in terms of like an emergency response plan, like, hey, when I face temptation, is to break it down into these three categories that um, what's going to be your physical response? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to change your, you know, your situation physically? Like you said, a walk or maybe exercise or something like that. Uh, another thing to think about is what is your spiritual response? Mm-hmm. We need to always, we need to always have our sword ready. Yeah, right. We need to be able to pull out that sword, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to have some scriptures at the ready so yeah. that we can pull those out and say, "I need to have a spiritual response here and do battle." With the word, and then the third thing is what you're talking about. Also, is having a relational response. Yeah. What am I going to do to remove myself from isolation and connect relationally? And typically, if you have a plan that has those things in yeah. place, you got a solid plan for being able mm-hmm. to respond to temptation.
1: That's good. That's really good, Jonathan.
0: And so this is just the this is just kind of the beginning of the stages. And listeners, over the next you know months, we're going to be bringing you some. Uh, we're going to have Brian back several times to be able to kind of continue what this mentoring process looks like. But mm-hmm. to to recap what we've talked about in this, these kind of first six initial steps here is the first is a guy's got to unpack his story and really confess his struggle and and bring everything out into the light. Mm-hmm. And then there has to be this idea of of asking the question of whether he really wants to be free, kind of counting the cost And then following that, there needs to be some goals and some boundaries and, hey, what are we seeking to do to try to, um, you know, push the enemy out of the camp and reestablish some healthy boundaries and some goals? And then also becoming aware of triggers, triggers that can be internal, triggers that can be external. These kinds of things start to understand that and create a plan around those and then it's it's essential that there be accountability. We've got to start developing relationships. Relationships that also go beyond just the mentor-mentee relationship. And then finally, what we talked about this time is just having a, a response to temptation. How do you actually, you know, the reality is, is you can do all you can to eliminate it. But, uh, you know, I've actually had blind men in my support group before. So it's not always external <laughs> where the temptation comes from. Our own yeah. minds can create temptation. So... I hope this is a good start for you listeners to just be able to start to kind of unpack what this process looks like and how you can begin to even deliver it to other people and start to implement it with others. Uh, But if you'd like to learn more about the Purity Mentor Training Program and just the Purity Mentoring in general, just go to puritymentoring.com. Brian, thanks for being with us to share. Yeah, thanks for having me. And listeners, we look forward to having you back here next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast.
1: Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.